I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Hi, it's Angel McDonald's Welcome to this edition of the Arsenal Audio Program. Arsenal versus Tottenham Hotspur, Sunday, March the 14th, 2021. Kickoff 4.30pm. The contents. The manager, Mikel Arteta. The captain, Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang. Voice of Arsenal. Match action, Leicester City versus Arsenal. Player feature, Bukio Saka. My story, convertible currency. 14 times. Community. Match action. Arsenal versus Benfica. Forward Arsenal. Academy. Arsenal women. Match action. Burnley versus Arsenal. Visitors. Tottenham Hotspur. My Arsenal. And teams. Manager's Notes. Mikel Arteta. We are in the middle of a massive few days and games don't come much bigger than the derby. It's great to be able to come into this match on the back of an important win on Thursday in Greece and it's put us all in positive mind for today's game. We were really pleased with the result and with our goals, especially against Olympiakos. We started the game really well and could have been two or three goals ahead by half-time. But let's be really honest with ourselves. We basically gave them three goals on the night. They only took one of them, but we have got to cut these mistakes out. We've got to be more ruthless and we cannot keep giving these gifts to opponents. It's happening too often and every opponent we face is good enough without us giving them goals out of nothing. You cannot sustain yourself at the top level with that number of errors. It's not about concentration. It's about when to play and when to take those risks. We have to identify that as a team. It's about knowing what the risks and the rewards are. If the reward is not worth the risk, then don't take it. We must improve our decisions like that if we want to keep developing and getting stronger. I will always encourage the team to play the way we can to follow our principles, but we need to do that within the rules that we set ourselves. It's the way we play. When we decide when to play, when not to play, the type of football we have to play with the right distances, the right feet. You don't have the right structure, you don't play. It's too risky. If it's a no-play zone, you don't have to play. That's what it comes down to, and that's what we need to improve. 
Lately, the goals and the chances that we have conceded are coming from ourselves. That can be really positive though, because the moment we stop it, we will be even stronger. It's up to us. I must say though, that I was very pleased with the way we reacted as the game went on. We talked about it before the game, about discipline and controlling your emotions. In this competition, things can go either way. Sometimes you are in the tie, sometimes you are out, and emotionally you have to stick to the game plan and stick to the role that you have within the team. And when you do that, normally the team is going to have a very clear direction and it's easier to win games. So I was pleased that as a team we kept going, kept being positive, and we got rewarded with two more goals. And I thought we should have got one more as well. We were really dominant, we showed a lot of personality to go there, a difficult place to play, and achieve what we did. We played some of our best attacking football of the season. We found space, we had quality, We had rhythm in our movement, we attacked spaces well and the link-up play was good. We scored a couple of wonder goals as well. Scoring from outside the box can be a very valuable source of goals. Martin is a real team player. He's really intelligent to find the spaces. He attracts a lot of opponents but we have asked him to add goals to his game and he scored a brilliant one on Thursday. Mo too. He's been practising those shots from outside the box with Roundy and he got his rewards. I'm really happy with the way all the subs did as well, the way they came on and affected the game. So the next step in our development is to play like that for the whole game, but without giving it anything at all to the opponent. We are not there yet. In the tie, we are not there yet either. It's only half-time, anything can happen. Let's approach that game starting nil-nil and try to win the game again. But before that, it's all about the Premier League and another big game for us at the Emirates again. It's a quick turnaround from Thursday, but we have been focusing on this one ever since the final whistle in Greece and we are ready to go again. We have got the confidence, we have been working hard and we know what we need to do today. It will be a completely different game to the one on Thursday. It's against our old rivals and we know just what that means to everyone at the club, ourselves and the fans of course. Basically, it's showtime. We're excited for it. It's a big game. So let's keep the momentum going. We've got three very important games coming up this week and we need to win all of them. That's our reality and this is how we're going to approach it. Thanks for your support. Let's hope we have got something to celebrate at the final whistle. Captain's Notes, Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang. We all really look forward to these games, the players and the fans, and we are desperate to make some more memories today. I think back to the 4-2 win over them here a couple of seasons ago as my favourite derby moment. I think that was the best moment, not only in terms of my goal, but also the atmosphere in the stadium. It was just incredible. The stadium was crazy and I enjoyed the day so much. It was my first derby at the Emirates. And it was really an amazing moment. It was clear how much that this game meant to everyone and at the club. And I want more moments like this. I know about the rivalry since I joined. And what I really want to achieve this season is to finish above them. When you're part of the Arsenal family, one thing you always want to be is above top. And hopefully we can do that for the fans. We were so disappointed with the result against them earlier this season. But I think we have changed as a team and how we use the ball since then. 
I think now we will try and play forward more and more quickly. Team is growing all the time and we know what we have to do. The forwards we are getting more suppliers, more crosses in, as well as the fullbacks and the wingers. So this has changed a lot for us because the boss really wants to show us the way to go and we have to play forward, even when we've only just regained the ball in the midfield or something like that. We now know we must always try and play forward for me. This is making a difference lately and we need to keep going this way. We are creating more chances in games. We have a lot more players in midfield who like to play forward and feel the forwards. Well, when you're a striker and you want to play these types of players, players like Emil, for example, we always try and link up with us guys in the forward positions. And he's very good at it. And he was very good as well to have him on form. And he's been on form recently as well. But he's a really humble guy. And we are delighted for him to be having these experiences. Generally, it's uh, the way that I like to play. When someone plays straight forward or tries to have a quick picture of the game, we get lots of players now, like Emil, that see things really quickly. We're unable to think quickly as well. And it's really good for us and for me because we have the players who can think quickly like that and it gives us a chance to really kill the opponent on these transitions. Also, Martin Ugergaard is a growing more and more into the team every time he plays. I think he's a really talented player. And you can see from the first few games that he's really playing so well. He knows what he has to do and what he looks at and what he's been playing. And he's been playing for such a long time. And this is what we really like. When we see a player arrive and he's already in his first games looking ready in the game in terms of playing exactly how you need him to play. So that's perfect for us. And what I like about him too is that he's someone that really talks a lot on the pitch. I like that a lot. In the game against Leeds, for example, he actually really helped me a lot with some instructions, some talks, some movements that he told about me. And for me, it's really good to have a teammate like this. And it's growing all the time, our relationship on the pitch. And Martin got a fantastic goal on Thursday night against Olympiakos. In the performance that I think illustrated how we are creating more and more chances when we play now, we should, and we had more than one goal ahead. When we conceded, we did have a few shaky moments after they equalised, but Gabriel's header was unbelievable, and that really lifted us and provided a platform for Moe's third, which was a great strike as well. You could see how thrilled we were to get that third. And for Mo, who's such a popular member of the squad, it's a big win for us, and I think we can take big confidence from that game, especially our attacking play in the North London derby today. It's a massive game for everyone and we're going to give it everything to make sure we get the right result. Voice of Arsenal, Bukayo's Hattrick. As you will hear in an exclusive feature with Bukayo Saka in this programme, our 19-year-old wonder kid has completed a hat-trick of Player of the Month awards. After claiming the prize in December and January, our brilliant teenager continued his fabulous form into February. Saka won a penalty in our 4-2 win against Leeds United, closing down goalkeeper Ilan Meslier in the area to win the ball before being taken down, with Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang dispatching from the spot. 
He then scored his sixth goal of the season in the first leg of our Europa League last 32 clash against Benfica in Rome, equalising from close range. Saka was central to our second leg victory against the Portuguese side in Athens, firstly claiming an assist for Aubameyang's first goal with a superb reverse pass and then setting up the all-important winner with a pinpoint cross for the striker to score. He claimed 48% of the votes cast, with Granit Xhaka in second and Aubameyang in third. 50 BCD games. Today is our 50th match played behind closed doors since the start of the pandemic. The first was against Manchester City on June 17th. Since then, we have also played six matches in front of small crowds, attendances between 60 and 3,000, meaning that just 15 of Mikel Arteta's 70 games in charge so far have been in full stadiums. For the 49 games played behind closed doors, 21 have been at home, though one of those was played in Athens, 24 away and 3 at Wembley. We have won 11 of those 20 BCD games at Emirates Stadium, drawing four and losing the other five. The current regulations with regards to playing behind closed doors are due to be in place until the last game of the season, when it is hoped we will welcome 10,000 fans for the home match against Brighton on May 23rd. Magnifique! Vincent Arfoul from Arsenal France has a huge love for the history of the Gunners, and has been spending lockdown poring through the many Arsenal history websites, blogs and books, translating them for French members. So if you're a French-speaking Arsenal supporter, or perhaps you're learning French and would like to test yourself using an Arsenal context, head for Vincent's website, arsenal-histoire.com. Thursday and Friday. A reminder that the second leg of our Europa League tie against Olympiakos takes place this Thursday at Emirates Stadium with a 5.55pm kickoff. The game is live on BT Sport. On Friday, Arsenal take on Manchester United at Meadow Park in the Women's Super League. This recently rescheduled fixture kicks off at 6.30pm and is also live on BT Sport. Notice Sport Happy 21st birthday, Finlay Griffith. Lots of love, Mum, Evie and Martha. Kiss, kiss, kiss. Three points today would be a great present. Happy 60th on March 14th to Guna Stephen Courtney, a lifelong fan from Islington. Love Juliet, Sally, Alan, Nikki and Dan. And in memoriam, Sheila and Pete Courtney. Totalizer, £413. Arsenal remembers. Leslie Douglas Layton. Words cannot describe how much you meant to us all. In your wonderful 100 years, you have left a lasting effect on the world and will be very sadly missed. We will always love and remember you. My granddad, Brian Butlin, an avid Arsenal fan his whole life and never missed a game. He will be sadly missed, but his spirit will live on with his beloved team, Arsenal. Love you, granddad. Colby. Kiss, kiss, kiss. Jack Stepanski. 100 years Aguna. Forever in our hearts. Luke Kudulu, age 59, sadly passed away on February 16th, 2021 after contracting COVID-19. Luke was an avid Arsenal fan, growing up a stone's throw from Highbury. He leaves behind his wife, Andrula, son Nick and daughter Anna. Christopher John Charles Cavalier, 
October 31st, 1953 to January 21st, 2021. Lifelong Arsenal fan, husband, father, an amazing granddad. Bad joke teller. R.I.P. Dad. We love you always. An amazing week of action. Today marks the end of the most recent week of action coordinated by Level Playing Field for Disabled Sports Fans, which Arsenal Football Club were once again delighted to support. Now in its 17th season, the campaign looks to shine a light on the positive work being done to improve access and inclusion at sports venues. With the suspension of supporters in Stadia earlier this season, this year's theme focused on the importance of live sport on supporters' well-being. Since Emirates Stadium opened in 2006, we have provided a free audio description commentary service for blind and partially sighted supporters inside the stadium. Quickly adapting during the early stages of lockdown, this service was swiftly moved online to ensure supporters could benefit from the specifically tailored commentary from home. For me, it's like the club is reaching out to me personally, tailoring a service specific to my needs. It makes me feel connected cared for and valued by the club and for that I'm extremely grateful said regular user Eric Heslop in addition to the audio description match commentary service our very own match day program is also made available in audio format as a free podcast for supporters to download online in normal circumstances supporters can socialize in the disability lounge ahead of matches at Emirates Stadium as Arsenal fan and comedian Alex Brooker visited last year for his BBC documentary Disability and Me. During the past year, this facility has also been trialled online. We have also recently shared our experience of launching a sensory room at Emirates Stadium with organisations across the sports industry looking to install similar facilities. Previously, we worked with broadcasters NHK and the Good Bankers Association in Japan to support the development of a sensory facility at J1 League side Kawasaki Frontale. As part of our ongoing Arsenal for Everyone initiative, we are committed to ensuring Emirates Stadium remains at the forefront of access and inclusion so that all of our supporters can feel an equal sense of pride and belonging to the club. Ref Watch Today's man in the middle is Michael Oliver from Northumberland, who has been a Premier League referee since 2010. Michael has already officiated at Emirates Stadium four times this season. In our 2-1 win over West Ham, the 2-1 home defeat against Wolves, the 3-1 win over Chelsea on Boxing Day and the 0-0 draw with Manchester United at the end of January. He has issued 15 yellow cards in those four games. Six to Arsenal players. Programme ITK We have lost just two of our last 35 home league games against Spurs. 119 drawn 14 going down 3-1 in May 1993 and 3-2 in November 2010 but we are winless in our last 5 meetings with Tottenham in all competitions drawn 2 lost 3 we have never in our history gone 6 without a win against our North London rivals only Everton versus Liverpool 24 has finished as a draw more often than the NLD in Premier League history 23 Meanwhile, the North London derby has seen both teams find the net more often than any other fixture in the Premier League. 38 games. Arsenal strikers Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang 
and Alexandra Lacazette have each scored nine Premier League goals this season and could become the fifth-stroke sixth players to reach double figures in each of their first four Premier League campaigns for the club, after Ian Wright, Dennis Bergkamp, Thierry Henry and Olivier Giroud. Arsenal League Champions FA Cup winners 1930-1936-1950-1971-1973-1982-2002-2003-2005-2014-2015-2017-2020 League Cup winners 1986-87 1992-93 Charity Stroke Community Shield winners 1930-1931-1933-1934-1938-1948-1953-1991 Shared 1998-1999-2002-2004-2014-2015-2017-2020 2000, Fairs Cup winners, 1969-70. European Cup Winners Cup winners, 1993-94. FA Youth Cup winners, 1996-1971-1988-1994-2000-2001-2009. Arsenal Football Club. 75 Drayton Park, London, N51BU Telephone 0207-619-5000 Website www.arsenal.com Email program at arsenal.co.uk Twitter at AFC Program Directors Lord Harris of Peckham Stan Crunker Josh Crunker Tim Lewis Secretary, David Miles. Life President, Ken Fryer, OBE. Chief Executive Officer, Vinay Venkatesham. Technical Director, Edu. Manager, Mikel Arteta. Premier League, Match Day 26. 12pm, Sunday, February the 28th at the King Power Stadium. Leicester City 1, Arsenal 3. First half. We could barely have got off to a worse start when, with six minutes on the clock, Yuri Tielemans stole the ball away on the right touchline and raced in on goal. We stood off the Leicester midfielder and he strode into the box and found the bottom corner. But we responded to adversity well and came straight back at the hosts. We soon had our equaliser and it was the impressive Willian who supplied it as he curled in a free kick for David Luiz to head home. 
It was no more than we deserved, and things soon got even better when, moments before the interval, Willian's surging run ended in a Nicolas Pepe shot that was handled by Wilfred and Didi in the box. After a VAR review, we were awarded the penalty and Alexandra Lacazette coolly converted from the spot. Second half. We continued to impress after the interval and extended our lead with a lightning-fast break involving Granit Xhaka, Nicolas Pepe and Martin Odegaard before Willian picked out Pepe for a tap-in. Thomas Partey continued his return to fitness by stepping off the bench just after the hour mark and we remained in control throughout the second half. Kieran Tierney came close with a firm strike that flew wide before Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang, on as a late substitute, curled a shot just beyond the far post. Player feature, Bukayo. Earlier this week, the vote for Arsenal's Player of the Month for February was revealed and the results showed a clear winner. It was the same winner as January, and indeed December before that. Step forward, Bakayo Saka. In respect of awards and accolades, the 19-year-old seems to be a different conversation. Every week, his 50th Premier League appearance against Burnley last weekend meant that he was the second youngest Arsenal player ever to reach that milestone, after Cesc Fabregas. His five Premier League goals means that he has scored more times than all the other teenagers in the league combined. His January form had him nominated for Premier League's Player of the Month and he claimed December Goal of the Month award for his accolades efforts against Chelsea. The list goes on. But you sense that the boy who swapped the green and white hoops of Greenford Celtic for the red and white of Arsenal when he joined the academy as a nine-year-old would exchange all the plaudits for the victory of the match today. A game that means so much to someone who's been a gunner over half his life. Boyako, you've been playing North London derbies for over a decade. You were always hotly anticipated when you were at the academy too? Yes, 100%. The coaches would always make it known to us a week or so that we were going to be playing Tottenham and what it meant to us and that we had to be ready because the game meant the most to the club and to the fans. It was always the biggest game of the season, and it's the games that you have to win. When you were the under-18 Premier League in 2018-19, we needed to beat Spurs in our last game of the season to win the title. Remind us of what happened there. We were 2-0 down, with five minutes of the game remaining. I came on as sub. I was luckily enough to get an assist on the goal before Ben Cotterell got the winner in injury time. It was mad. The thing that comes to mind about that game was it actually... Pictures of us celebrating after Ben's goal at the end. You see all of us going absolutely crazy. And that's how much it meant to us to beat Tottenham. Such an important game. As for the first team, you haven't had a chance to play against Tottenham at the Emirates yet. I haven't yet, but I've been at the games. The one that stands out is the match in 2018 when we won 4-2 and Uber, Laka and Lucas scored. I remember it vividly. I was an academy player and a passionate fan watching that game. Coming back from 2-1 down, it was amazing. Feeling the energy and the passion of the fans to be able to play in a North London derby in front of a full Emirates stadium would be incredible. I hope I can score a goal in this fixture one day and make the fans as happy as I was that day when we were watching from the stands. You will be expected to play against Tottenham because of how consistently good your form has been all season. How do you maintain that consistency? I've been told from an early age 
that you have to be on it every game and every day. You can play very well one week, but if you don't play well the next, people will forget about you. So you want to be the one that people speak about the best. You have to be the most consistent and play well every week. And I try to take each game as it comes. For example, Burnley away compared to Man City at home is totally different. Each game has its own context and I try to adapt to be the best in each type of match. When you play, the manager knows he can rely on you in a number of different roles. How come you are comfortable in so many positions? I think it's a combination of things. Some of the qualities I have as a player and some of the information that I get from the coaching staff and learn from. So I can play in each position as well and I possibly that I can and I've always played in different positions coming through the academy too. Left back, left wing, right wing. That's helped me be more versatile. I'm so comfortable playing in different positions. I like the responsibility. What does Mikel say to you? He's always telling me to be one step ahead of the opponent and always be proactive, not reactive. So that means instead of reacting, being ahead of the game, trying to read what the space is going to be, trying to get there, trying to get a step earlier, so I can a bit more time and I can make a bit more of a better decision. As there will be less pressure on me, I feel that this advice has really helped me. The captain is also someone who has helped you a great deal, isn't he? Definitely. He's been a very special person to me for my career. Every time I played with Uber, he's always given me such confidence. When you're a young player and you come into a team, a player might tell you that you have to pass them and stuff like that and get angry if you don't. But I remember before the games against Frankfurt, when I scored my first goal, he came up to me and said, Bayako, you're a very good player. If you're there in front of goal and you want to shoot, shoot. He was basically telling me to express myself and play my game. And when you hear that from someone like him, it gives you so much more confidence. That's why I love him. And he's been so special and important to my career. And my parents love him too. I scored and managed to assist him in that game, and I was so happy to do that. We're currently 10th in the Premier League table. What's the position that needs to be improved for the club like Arsenal? Well, as a team, you can't look at the table and look back on the past. We have to look forward. And I know that if we win three, four, five games in a row this season, we can move a long way. And 100%, I think we can do it. It's down to us and improving, scoring goals and are more free-flowing. But sometimes we make mistakes ourselves. It's not the opposition breaking us down, it's more ourselves. If we can just sort that out, I'm sure we can be challenging for the top four, even the title next season. I can promise the fans that I will always give my all, and I know that other players in the team can promise that too. I just ask the fans to be patient, as things will change for the better for us. Trust in the process. Between this season and next, you can have an appointment with England and the European Championship. Is that an aim for you? Yeah, of course. It's difficult with England, though, as there are so many quality players. I've just got to give my all, keep my form as high as possible, and if I'm selected, give my all to the next training camp and hopefully give myself the best chance to be selected for the Euro squad. Lastly, Bacco, as a number seven shirt is synonymous with legends like George Armstrong, Liam Brady, David Rocastle, Robert Perez. You have excelled against Tottenham, but for you, I think there's a special link with another number seven who also got a couple of memorable goals against the old enemy. Yeah, when I was young in the academy, I received a shirt from the team player, and it was Thomas Rizisky's number seven shirt. Now, to come through and be able to play in the number seven is a really special for me, because 
I still have Rizisky's shirt in my house and now I'm wearing the shirt. I want to thank Arsenal for trusting me with this shirt. It means everything to me. The Arsenal Foundation. My story. The work of the Arsenal Foundation and the partners and initiatives it supports have touched the lives of a great number of people in a variety of ways. The Arsenal Foundation's Emergency COVID Fund has helped the ARC Centre's local food bank. The charity's creative director, Damien Brown, tells us how it was converted from community centre to food hub. For me... The ARC started with a conversation in a cafe. My background was commercial property. I ran an estate agency, but it wasn't very fulfilling, so I moved into property guardianship, creating housing for others. Something still wasn't quite right, though, so I linked up with two friends to see if we could use empty commercial spaces to benefit local communities. We heard that the Hyde Housing Association was reviewing local community centres, so we applied for the ARC, despite the fact it was making a loss. We won it, with a vision to use the space as a real asset that would also make money without any external support. That was three years ago, and all was going to plan, until last March. We made a judgment call to close the centre two weeks before the first lockdown to protect vulnerable people. Then two things happened. Firstly, a friend of mine, who runs a busy cafe in Covent Garden, asked if he could store his equipment at the centre. There was loads of it. We could start a food bank with all of this, I said, joking. But then I heard that local food banks were closing. People were hoarding food, so there wasn't the usual surplus from the supermarkets. I thought that was wrong. We had 3,500 square feet with a kitchen, fridges and equipment, so I called some local banks to ask if they needed anything. They basically said, We're overrun. Why don't you do it? I put out a call for volunteers, and 20 people responded immediately. We then raised £500 for food, but had no idea how to get people in, so we contacted Bright Start Children's Services. We set up a referral scheme and threw a shout-out to our mailing list of 2,000 people raised £7,500. That enabled us to buy food from restaurant suppliers. Over time, we had help from Islington Council, other local organisations, food banks and, of course, the Arsenal Foundation, and it has snowballed from there. We went from supplying 14 households at the start to 75 now, more than 250 people, and demand shows no sign of abating. Our long-term plan is for people to become members of a food co-op, and we are setting up a huge vegetable garden as well, so people can get involved. I'm so proud of what we and so many local people have achieved. It's the best thing I've ever done. It has galvanised the community, our volunteers have forged lasting relationships and the feedback and gratitude we've received from the people we've helped has been overwhelming. People have really stepped up and put their hearts into it, working together and having fun in the process. One good thing to come from the pandemic is the number of people volunteering to help others 
and long may that continue. To ensure we can increase support to meet the demand, we need small regular donations from local people. For more info, to volunteer or to make a donation, visit www.thearccenter.org. Convertible Currency Football historian John Sperling looks at the evolution of Arsenal players' positions past and present. Charlie George moved back to push Arsenal forward. When the Holloway-born forward burst onto the scene during the 1969-70 campaign, Europe's very best predicted a golden future for George in the Arsenal front line. After the Gunners swept Ajax aside 3-0 in the Fairs Cup semi-final, emerging Dutch star Johan Cruyff, who'd seen George rifle home a shot after 17 minutes, claimed, Charlie George can become as good as Di Stefano. The teenage skinhead, who'd once stood and watched the Gunners on the North Bank, dovetailed perfectly with the powerful John Radford and impressed onlookers not simply with the accuracy of his shots, but also with his mesmerising array of passes. As Arsenal secured their first piece of silverware for 17 years by winning the 1970 Fairs Cup against Anderlecht, George's future up front looked assured. But fate intervened on the opening day of the historic 70-71 campaign when, after scoring Arsenal's opening goal, George broke his ankle at Goodison Park during a 2-2 draw with Everton. During his five-month absence from the first team, the young Ray Kennedy slotted in alongside Radford up front, as Arsenal surged to the top of Division 1. George faced a long and lonely battle to regain his fitness, with the help of physiotherapist George Wright, and recalled, the total boredom of running up and down the North Bank steps in order to regain my fitness and strength in my leg. By early January, Charlie, who'd now let his hair grow, was fit and raring to go. But Don Howe and Bertie Mee informed him that he'd be playing as an attacking midfielder in the hole, behind Radford and Kennedy. I was happy to do whatever it took to play again, George explained, and I felt the role, which gave me a good degree of freedom, suited me well. With his roving brief, George flourished in the new year as Arsenal closed in on their first domestic double and he made his mark in the FA Cup. In the fifth round at Main Road against Malcolm Allison's Manchester City, he blasted home a free kick from long range and then galloped half the length of the pitch to secure Arsenal's 2-1 win. His celebration, lying flat on his back on the sodden turf, was a portend of things to come in the summer. George demonstrated his aerial ability in the FA Cup quarter-final replay against Leicester City. Hanging in the air for an age, after George Armstrong swung in a corner and nodding home the winner at Highbury. With Arsenal in the midst of a 64-match season and Radford and Kennedy showing signs of battle fatigue in the final stages, George demonstrated that he hadn't lost his striker's instinct during two crucial league matches in the same week in April. He netted the only goal against the dogged Burnley. Three days earlier, he'd scorched home a superb winner from outside the area against Newcastle United in another tight 1-0 victory. And so to Wembley. With both Liverpool and Arsenal, crowned league champions five days before, struggling in the baking Wembley heat, and George admitting that he could barely put one foot in front of another, 
he summoned up the strength in his legs to receive a John Radford pass, control the ball and blast his shot past a despairing Ray Clements to win the FA Cup and secure an historic double for the Gunners. George replicated the Jesus Christ Superstar celebration which he'd performed at Main Road, albeit this time he didn't soak himself through to the skin. Sadly, this was as good as it ever got for George. There were still stellar moments from Arsenal's impresario, and there was no more exhilarating sight in football than George, long hair swirling behind him, terrorising defences by running at them, and cracking home shots with minimal backlift. But a succession of injuries, loss of form and run-ins with Bertie Mee, saw George depart Highbury in 1975, aged 24. At Derby County, under manager Dave Mackay, George, who won a solitary England cap in 1976, once more rediscovered his joie de vivre, bursting through from deep to dazzling effect, while supporting Rams striker Kevin Hector up front. His sublime televised goal for Derby against Real Madrid in the 1975-76 European Cup a 20-yarder scorched home on the turn after driving forward from a deeper-lying position showed that Charlie George remained a stellar talent wherever he played on a football pitch. Frank Moss, goalkeeper to goal-getter After departing the 1935 Everton vs Arsenal match with a dislocated left shoulder and being replaced by defender Eddie Hapgood before the days of substitutes, the strapped-up Arsenal goalkeeper Frank Moss re-entered the fray with all sides of the ground applauding Moss's heroism. Arsenal reshuffled their formation and Moss got stuck in and outside left. He soon suffered a heavy knock to his arm but battled on and for good measure scored a vital goal as Arsenal secured a 2-0 victory. Ted Drake also scored on their way to winning the league title. It may have been a boy's own tale of bravery but the legendary Gunners keeper was never quite the same after the injury, and despite two operations on his shoulder, faded away from the first team picture. Fourteen times. Cruyff versus Omri. Last August, we lifted the FA Cup for a record-extending 14th time. But it's not just our rich, illustrious history in football's oldest knockout competition that is synonymous with the number 14. February the 14th, 1931. It happened on the 14th. Arsenal 6, Derby County 3. Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang became the second ever Arsenal player to score a Valentine's Day hat-trick when he netted three against Leeds last month. The first was Cliff Bastin, who achieved this feat some 90 years earlier. Derby County were the opponents in Division 1 that day, as Herbert Chapman's free-scoring side romped to their first-ever league title. Bastin ended the league season with 28 league goals and would soon go on to become the club's record scorer. This was one of four hat-tricks he scored for the Gunners. Other goal scorers that day were David Jack, Alex James and Joel Hulme. For the last 10 minutes or so of the Dennis Burkamp testimonial match in 2006, the opposing number 14s were Thierry Henry and Johan Cruyff. The legendary Dutchman was 59 years old at the time, but came on for a special surprise appearance alongside Marco van Basten, 
for the Ajax Legends side in the second half of the first ever game at Emirates Stadium on July the 22nd, 2006. Cruyff was managing the Ajax Legends team that day that also included the likes of Frank Dubur, Frank Rickard, David Blind and Edgar Davids, but he couldn't resist bringing himself on for those closing stages. Class Jan Huntler had given the first half Ajax side made up of current players of the day the lead after 37 minutes. But then the Arsenal legends took over after the interval. Henri, just having left Highbury as the venue's all-time leading scorer, scored the first at his new home before Canu scored the last-minute winner in the 80th minute. But for once, the scoreline wasn't the headline that day. It belonged to David Burkamp, of course, who brought the curtain down on a glorious 11 Arsenal career. But it was also the time for those people that were lucky enough to be in the crowd that day that could say that they saw two of the all-time greatest number 14s go head-to-head. Community Premier League Primary Stars Virtual Assemblies Our primary school team have been delivering weekly virtual assemblies to primary schools in Islington, Camden and Hackney. Every Friday, pupils from our local schools have joined us for physical activities, interactive quizzes, challenges and celebrating children's work. Thank you to all the schools, teachers and pupils who have joined and engaged with our assemblies. We have had a different theme each week, such as Be Mindful, Be Sustainable, Be Connected and Be a Reader. Each week we set a challenge and encourage children to send in their work. We received brilliant posters, videos, photos and diaries. Well done to everyone who completed the challenges and sent in work for us to share. We have also had video messages and quizzes from players such as Bucky Osaka, Emil Smith-Rowe, Leah Williamson, Callum Chambers, Lydie Williams, Alex Rinnason and club legend Rachel Yankee. The children have been able to share questions and answers through the chat box. Octopus Energy supported us with our Be Sustainable Week and set a challenge for the children to reduce their household energy usage. Children were encouraged to turn off lights, unplug unused appliances and not leave TVs on standby. Hopefully their actions will have saved some energy and saved their parents some money. Who better than legendary children's author and big Arsenal fan, Michael Rosen, to set our reading challenge? We have also been working on a writing workshop with Michael, which we will be delivering later in the year, so watch this space. The virtual assemblies have been a great way to engage with our local primary schools but we are looking forward to safely getting back to delivering in person again. If any local schools or teachers want to find out how we can support their school, please email community at arsenal.co.uk. Thank you to all the schools who have been involved. Blessed Sacrament RC Primary, Lauriston Primary, London Fields Primary, Netley Primary, Shacklewell Primary, St John Evangelist R.C. Primary, St Mary's C of E Primary, St Patrick's Catholic Primary, Thornhill Primary, Victoria Primary, William Tendall Primary, Woodbury Down Primary. Community. 
Europa League round of 32, second leg. 5.55pm Thursday, February the 25th at the Georgios Karaskakis Stadium. Arsenal 3, Benfica 2. First half. Playing our home leg in Athens due to Covid travel restrictions, we had the slight upper hand after a 1-1 draw in the first leg a week earlier, and we made our position even stronger when Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang opened the scoring in Greece. He finished in fine style after being set up in the box brilliantly by Bukayo Saka. With the away goals rule still in play despite both games being played on neutral territory, the tie was still in the balance and Benfica levelled up late in the half. Goncalves scored the equaliser with a superbly taken free kick direct into the top corner. Second half Just after the hour mark, a mistake by Danny Caballos allowed Rafa Silva to race in on goal, round-burned Leno and put Benfica in front. We now needed to score two more to remain in the competition. The response was swift as Willian, on as a substitute minutes earlier, found Kieran Tierney in the box and he rifled into the far corner. It was tight and tense and as the clock ticked down it was increasingly fraught, but with three minutes remaining the turnaround was complete as Bukayo Saka sent a fine ball across goal for Aubameyang to head in from close range. The job was done, the turnaround complete and we marched into the last 16 of the Europa League. Forward Arsenal, number eight, Danny Ceballos. Arsenal Football Club prides itself on always looking forward, so we're asking our players to gaze into the future to see what's on the horizon. In terms of training, how do you plan your week? We have a plan for the week, so we know what days we're going to have training and when we're resting, but it all depends on the matches we have too. A lot of the work we do depends on whether we have one or two matches that week. The training sessions are very good here. I like them. What does training look like this week? This week is a bit special because it's the first time in a long time that we have only one game in a week. The most important thing is to analyse the opposition from a tactical standpoint and be able to work on that during the week. It's been a bit of a special week because we've had two days off. We had an extra day off on Thursday to make sure we're fresh for two good sessions ahead of the game. What type of training do you most look forward to? What bit do you dread? I think all players much prefer it when we're using the ball, working on possession, playing small games when we can link up well. I think the most boring part is when you're working on set plays, but we know that's essential. We have a short session of about 10 or 15 minutes and really work on those set plays, but it is a bit more boring than the rest of training. Do you plan the food you eat during the week? Yes, I have a nutritionist and a weekly plan. Depending on the work we've been doing, I vary the amount of carbohydrate I eat. It's basically a high-protein, low-carbohydrate plan with the quantity increasing as the game approaches. I keep a close eye on it. Do you have a cheat day during the week? Yes. As footballers, part of the job is to be really closely focusing on our bodies, which means eating and resting well but we're people too. I take the day after the game as a free day, when I'll eat something quicker, something I'd avoid during the week. But the body processes that quickly, and then as soon as we start working again, it's gone. 
What do you go for on a cheat day or in the holidays? Usually I go for pizza or a burger. It depends on what I fancy at the time. Something a bit heavier to offset the rest of the week. How far ahead do you look at the fixture list? I think it would be a mistake if we started thinking about who we're playing in a month or two months, or at the end of the season. That's a big mistake. We have to go game by game. That's the only way to improve, pick up points and maintain a good dynamic. What do you do on the night before a big game? Are you nervous? Do you do any extra prep for the match? No. Well, right now every game is a big game. Sometimes when it is a really big one, you might spend more time analysing the opposition. But the most important thing is focusing on yourself and keeping the same routine. What do you still want to achieve in your career? I think all players dream of winning something with their national team. I'd love to do that in my career. On the subject of Spain, who would you say is the next big thing in Spanish football? The youngster with the biggest future ahead of them. There are some great players. I think there are five or six players that are pretty young, like Brian Gill, who plays for Ibar. Pedri is doing really well at Barcelona. And Sufati at Barcelona too. They're playing at a high standard and bringing a lot to the table. Eric Garcia is another example here in the Premier League. They're very young players that will serve Spain well in the future. Who do you think will win the next World Cup? I don't know. Spain, hopefully. The World Cup is a very tough competition. I think you have to push virtually to the limit in every game. We know how hard it is to win one game. Now imagine winning seven in a row. It's even harder. It's not down to individuals. It's down to the shape teams are in at that specific moment. What club would you never sign for? This is obvious. I was a Betis player, so I couldn't play for the city's other team. What about after football? Are you already starting to think about what you'd like to do when you hang up your boots? To be honest with you, I'm not. But I would like to stay in football. I'm the type of player that really likes football. I like analysing the opposition. So I'd like to stay in football, yes. Are you more drawn to coaching or moving into the world of media? It depends on your career as a player. It's hard to get into a club as a coach. I think it's harder to become a coach because there's so much required. The mental and physical demands are there virtually every day. So after a long career, I'd have to think carefully before deciding whether or not my long-term future lies in coaching. Have you started doing any coaching qualifications yet? I started three years ago, but it wasn't compatible with my training schedule at Betis because the classes were in the morning, but I'm planning on doing them in the future. Who would you say your coaching influences would be? Which current coach best reflects your football philosophy? One thing I always focus on is possession. I've had a lot of coaches over the course of my career, but Luis Enrique is one that always tells you to ask him anything you want to. I've asked him questions and things and he tells me to learn from every coach I have, because ultimately that will give me a wider bank of resources to draw on if I want to become a coach in the future. So I would take something from all the coaches I've had. What are you looking forward to doing once you retire that you can't do now. Given the level of media interest at the moment, it's not easy to walk down the street without people stopping you to ask for photos. Obviously I don't mind that or anything, but I'd like to have more of a social life with my friends and families. 
going to a bar, sitting down for a quiet beer, and just being out of the spotlight a bit. What country or city will you live in when you retire? Seville. What other countries would you like to see once you stop playing? I'm lucky to have been able to visit many of the countries that appeal to me. Obviously I'd like to do more travelling, but I've been to lots of countries and continents. There are plenty more places I'd like to go to. If you go on to have children in the future, would you like them to go into professional football? That's a tough one. Obviously it would be a dream for me if my children became footballers, but knowing how hard it is to make it, and knowing how much of your childhood you lose because you're dedicating so much time to football. Obviously, if they had the quality and the talent, I'd support them, but I'd support them in whatever they wanted to do. Away from football, do you have a specific goal or aspiration you'd like to achieve? I'm focused on the present, but in the future I would like to have a family, be happy and enjoy being with my children. I think being able to enjoy spending time with the family is one of the best things to look forward to for when I'm no longer playing football. Do you have a project you're working on at the moment away from football? No, but I did quite a bit of reading during lockdown. I've been reading a couple of books lately, but I haven't got any other projects outside of football because I don't want to take my focus away from what really matters. No projects. Who are your favourite authors? I've been reading La Loba Negra, The Black Wolf, by Juan Gomez Jurado. He's written a really interesting trilogy, which I've been enjoying. Javier Castillo's La Chica de Nieve, Snow Girl 2. Do you ever read any books in English? Not right now. I've really progressed in terms of my speaking. I can communicate with my teammates well now, but reading in English is a bit trickier. Finally, you are told there's a spare seat on the next trip to the moon. Do you want to go? No, I don't want to go to the moon. I want to be on solid ground with my family. It's much nicer here. In a dream world, what would be your next meal? Pizza. New car. An electric car. Trophy you win. The European Championship. Thing you buy. A PlayStation 5. Holiday destination. Somewhere I can switch off completely. New teammate. Leo Messi. Developing Young Guns In this issue, Young Gun, Herbert Grassic, Match Reports, A Busy Period, News, The Youth Cup Date, Remember, Charlie Gilmore, and Results. Young Gun, Herbert Grassic, talking to Aidan Small. Born, Poland, February the 28th, 2003. Height and weight, 6 foot 1, 79 kilos. Position, goalkeeper. Boots, Adidas Predator. Signed for Arsenal, August 2017. Signing my first professional contract earlier this week was one of the proudest moments of my career so far. But this isn't something I achieved by myself. It simply wouldn't have been possible without the support of my family, friends and coaches over the years. And that got me thinking about how it all started. My earliest memory of football as a kid is a simple one. My mum always used to take me down to the local park and I spent hours there kicking a ball about and saving shots from my mum. I'm an only child so I never had any older brothers or anything to mess around with. This is why and where it all began. Compared to a lot of the lads at the academy, 
I actually started showing an interest in football at quite a late age, around seven. I know that's still quite early in the grand scheme of things, but most here at Arsenal have all been playing since they were five. My family are originally from Poland, but my dad has always supported Arsenal. The link has only become stronger over the years in our family since I joined the club. I've been a gooner my whole life, and I've just also been a goalkeeper right from the start too. I've got no idea why, I just loved it. I guess Arsenal have always been known for having Polish keepers over the years, and that's probably played a large part in it as a kid. Warszek Szczesny was the first goalkeeper that I really looked up to. My dad is Polish and takes a lot of pride in it, so he really embraces it, and I think that's why I looked up to Szczesny so much. Anyway, after a year or two of playing in my local park, I was spotted by a team in North London called Rap Aid Youth FC. I joined them under eights, and I had no interest in playing outfield. I just wanted to be the goalkeeper. For as long as I can remember, I've loved throwing myself about on the pitch, putting my face right amongst it. That was always me. I'd always been like that. And then back then, I was just playing football for fun. I didn't really look into development or anything like that. But when West Ham offered me a trial, I realised I could take this seriously. I joined them permanently, and after six weeks, I spent the next two years at their academy. But I was released at the end of my two-year contract, and that was quite an experience for me. It took me to have a complete break for football for six months. Because I had no idea what to do with myself, it was a really difficult moment. I think it changed me as a person, as well as changed my outlook on football. We used to train on Tuesdays and Thursdays, then play on Saturday, and all of a sudden, I didn't have that routine, I didn't have that structure in my life. I missed the environment so much. But I think in many ways, it helped me develop as both a player and a person too. When you join an academy at nine, you're so young, it's hard to comprehend and understand what's really going on around you. And when you join at such a young age, it's easy to think that that environment is normal because it's all you've ever done. So when I left the academy, I spent six months away from football. It changed my perspective of the whole academy experience and how hard I want to work if I want that chance again. At the time, I felt like my world was ending right in front of me. But looking back, I'm glad it happened. It shaped me to who I am today. After being released, I started playing outfield for the first time and that sparked my love for football over again. I was defensive midfielder in my school and I loved going in on crunching tackles. I ended up, suppose, about two years away from academy football. But then my school sent me to a development centre who eventually sent me on a trial for Crystal Palace's academy. My teachers liked me and always tried to support me and I'll never forget that. Palace offered me a contract but then also invited me on a six weeks trial. That changed everything. The first thing that hit me is when my dad told me the news and I was just so excited to get there and see everything. I used to live near the Hale End on my way back from trials at Palace so I used to look out the window and just dream that one day I might be there. So when I turned up at the gates for the very first time and saw the Arsenal crest, it was just incredible. The only thing better than finding out that Arsenal wanted to keep me, and I've been here ever since, was to get the amazing memories from my tile at AL End, was to get my first England call-up at the end of the first season. Then I won goalkeeper of the tournament with the Liam Brady Cup, which was an honour. I developed so much as a player, and i become so much tidier in all aspects of my game. I'm proud to represent the club now, and I'm focused on achieving bigger and better things. The lowdown. What's your earliest memory of football? Kicking a football with my mum in the park. Who got you into football? My dad. First footballer you looked up to? Wojciech Chesney. Favourite football show, Nert? 
Arsenal 2013-14 away kit. Best friend in football? Daniel Agotti. Team supported as a child? Arsenal. Best goal of all time? Wayne Rooney's overhead kick at Man City. Best player faced? Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang in training. Best training ground tip you've ever been given? Make the most of your time because you can't earn it back. Best moment of your career? Signing my first pro contract. A player to score one-on-one with to save your life? By Akasaka. If you could change any position, I'd play DM or CB. Another sport you're good at? Volleyball. Favourite boots? Purple Adidas. Favourite training drill? Shots from angles. Ambitions this season off the pitch to stay healthy. Important non-playing attributes of young footballers? Time management. Favourite footballer of all time? Manuel Neuer. Favourite follower on Instagram? 433. Most played Spotified artist? Polio G. Favourite musician? Drake. Favourite pre-match song? Back to Basics by Freddo. One thing you need on an away day? Headphones. One thing you want to do in your career? Make most of my potential. First team player you look up to? Bernard Lino. Player who shaped your game? Manuel Neuer. Best thing about being at Arsenal? The environment. Teammates. Who will definitely make it? Catelyn Curran. Most skills in their locker? Kiddo Taylor Hart. Who's got the best passing range? Miguel Aziz. Who'd be the best manager? Alex Kirk. Most committed? Miguel. Who's the strongest? Mazin Abugu. Under 18's Premier League South. Saturday, February the 20th. Amex Elite Football Performance Centre. Brighton 3. Arsenal 2. Despite a spirited display from start to finish, our under-18s were beaten 3-2 by Brighton and Hove Albion last month. Omir Hutchinson scored twice and delivered an outstanding performance, but it wasn't enough to secure the share of the spoils. Ken Gillard made one change from our 1-0 victory over West Ham last Tuesday, with Benadella replacing James Sweet. Brighton ran out 5-0 winners at the last time we met in this competition and they made a full start once again as Ed Turns opened the scoring for a powerful header from a corner. The hosts then went on to double their advantage shortly after the half-hour mark through Zach Emerson, who raced away from the counter and coyly finished past Hubert Grackham. But we bounced back before the half-time interval, as Grackick set Hutchinson free down the left run on the length of the pitch before wriggling past two defenders and firing home. Hatton responded well after the restart, however as Emerson doubled the tally in just 15 seconds after the referee's whistle. Hutchinson reduced the deficit once more late on, showing great composure from start to finish, but it was ultimately too little, too late. Premier League 2, Friday, February the 19th, Meadow Park. Arsenal 0, Manchester City 2. Reese Nelson, featured in our under-23s, were beaten 2-0 by Man City in the Premier League 2, Lee and Diap scored twice for the league leaders, but could only have been more if not for Arthur and Owono, who made a number of outstanding saves. City started stronger at Meadow Park as Felix Nabitschi's low effort was saved before Tommy Doyle filed over from the edge of the area. But the visitors pushed on, and with just 15 minutes found themselves ahead. Ryan Abusu, who was otherwise impressive on the night, lost possession with a sloppy throw-in of Dilap, converted and cutting inside the left wing. 
Steve Bowles' sides were boasted the availability of Nelson and he came close to providing an instant response, but his low dive was tipped behind the Louis Molden after dribbling past two midfielders. Our biggest chance of the evening arrived just moments later as Nelson picked up Kiddo Taylor Harts at the far post and our number seven fired the half volley towards goal. Somehow the angle was closed down and Moulton produced a fine save. This proved to be a game-changing moment, with City doubling their advantage after three minutes. After the restart, Romo Lava led the charge for the counter and Dilap was on hand to finish the pass to Wakwakno. We passed on the hope of sparking a late comeback and the visit maintained their composure and limited us to half chances, only in the closing stages. Academy Match Reports, Premier League 2, Saturday, February the 27th. Liverpool 4, Arsenal 0. Our under-23 slipped to another frustrating defeat as they were beaten 4-0 by Liverpool. Coming into this game, only a point separated the two sides, but the hosts were full of confidence after a dramatic 3-2 victory over Chelsea just a week earlier. We started on the front foot though and we looked dangerous in transition as Reese Nelson breaking forward at pace for square in Mollier, who was unable to make contact with the final moment. Liverpool had barely had a sight of our goal and we were gifted possession inside the area and Leia Stewart duly found the bottom corner. Karen Kajan immediately came close to an equaliser, rattling through the post on the cutback. To the stroke of half-time as Jake doubled Liverpool's advantage with a powerful strike in the top corner. Khan then went on to score his second of the afternoon just two minutes after the restart, firing home from the edge of the area before Ben Woodham made it four, finishing from close range. Under-18 Premier League South, Saturday, February the 27th, London Colney. Arsenal nil, West Bromwich Albion three. Our under-18 suffered a disappointing 3-0 defeat at West Brom on the under-18 Premier League South. Kahan Edwards returned to attack for Ken Gillen's side but were unable to break down a resilient Baggies outfit. The visitors came into the fixture boasting a second away record for the division and they made it count early on as Mo Fowl converted Tom Fellow's delivery with a thumping header. Amari Hutchinson then fired over the bar from edge of the area before Omri Jeffert combined with Nathan found himself on goal, only to lose composure and to fire over. We should have been level after that promising spell of possession, but on the stroke of half-time, West Brom doubled the advantages as Rico Richards controlled Fellow's delivery and guided the header into the far corner. Following the restart, Butler Ojinu came close to reducing the deficit when he stung the gloves of Jamie Emery before Hutchinson's curling effort was cleared away. We continued to push forward, hoping the spark of a late comeback would left us exposed on the counter. And with just five minutes remaining, Jacob Shepard made it three for the baggies, converting a cutback from close range. Academy News FA Youth Cup Update We can now confirm that the FA Youth Cup fourth round fixture against Blackburn Rovers has been rescheduled. The game was originally due to take place on January the 27th, but has now been moved to Saturday, March the 20th. The game will kick off at 12 o'clock and will take place at the Blackburn Rovers FC Academy. Hale End, head-to-head. Joe Wooler and Aisley Maitland-Niles went head-to-head last week in the West Bromwich Albion 0-0 with Newcastle United. Our duo started at the Hawthorns and played the full 90 minutes, but neither side could find a way through. 
On a cold night in the Midlands, Willock made two tackles and two interceptions in addition to taking nine ball recoveries. He also completed for more duels and won more fouls than any other Newcastle United player. Maitland Niles started in midfield three and finished with his pass completion rate of 75-7%. to He also registered 55 touches and completed for 16 duels. Jordan extends North London stay. Congratulations to Jordan McNiff, who has signed a new contract extension with the club. The 20-year-old midfielder has been at the club since 2017, but is currently on the sidelines after picking up an injury back in October. McInuff is currently working hard on his recovery and will be keen to impress when he returns to full fitness. The Republic of Ireland Youth International has featured 21 times for our under-23s to date, scoring once. Keep up the hard work, Jordan. Congratulations to Hubert Grachuk, who signed his first professional contract. The 18-year-old goalkeeper to make his appearance for our under-18 this season, keeping two clean sheets, and he recently made his debut for our under-23s against Liverpool. The youngster has represented England at under-18 level and is known for his agility and distribution from the back. We congratulate Hubert for his professional contract, and we look forward to supporting him in his continued development. Academy Alumni. Catching up with former Arsenal Academy players and they continue their pro-away careers from the Emirates. Charlie Gilmore. Gilmore is back in football with St Johnson in the Scottish Premier League after being released by Norwich City at the start of the season. Charlie joined Arsenal Academy as a six-year-old and progressed all the ranks until as a substitute with the first team in two Europa League Cup stages against Quagbag and Pulver in season 2018-19. At the end of the season, the central midfielder was released by the Gunners and immediately snapped up by Norwich City. Newly promoted to the Premier League, he was sent out on loan for a season to Telstar in the Dutch second division, managed by former Arsenal Academy Supremo Jonker. He then made 25 appearances in Holland, making three assists. Returning from England, the Scotland Under-19 international was released by Norwich last summer, but after a few months without a club, Charlie, now 22, joined St. Johnson in February this year. And he made his debut in a 3-1 win against Motherwell on February the 20th. It's been a great season for St. Johnson, who currently sits 7th in the Scottish Premier League and won the Scottish League Cup on February the 28th, when they beat Livingston 1-0. Their first ever triumph in the competition, a game in which Charlie was an unused substitute. Good luck in Scotland, Charlie. Arsenal Women. News and reports from England's most successful women's football team. Women's Super League, Sunday, March the 7th. Solihull Moors, Birmingham City versus Arsenal. Birmingham City, nil. Arsenal, four. Scored by Ford in the 37th and 39th minutes, Maidema in the 76th and Evans in the 90th minute. Playing for Arsenal were... Williams, Maritz, substituted by Meyer in the 81st minute, Williamson, Wuben, Moy, McCabe, Walty, substituted by Goethe in the 74th minute, Van der Donk, substituted by Roard in the 81st minute, Maidema, Mead, Ford, substituted by Little in the 67th minute, and Nobbs, substituted by Evans in the 74th minute. We secured bank-to-bank victories in the Barclays FA Women's Super League on Sunday 
as we ran out 4-0 winners over Birmingham City. Caitlin Ford returned to our starting eleven and delivered an outstanding attacking performance, scoring twice, while Kim Little made her return from injury off the bench. There was also a familiar face lining up for the home side as Arsenal loanee Ruby Mace was granted permission to feature for Carla Ward's side. Lining up in a 4-3-3 formation, Ford was tasked with leading the line, while Vivian Maidima took up a deeper role as a number 10, and they combined to devastating effect all afternoon. First, Maidima controlled Beth Mead's cross with her chest and fired just over the bar, before Ford blazed over from a similar position just moments later. The latter made no mistake with her next sight of goal, though, as she reacted first inside the area to bundle home the opener. There was a moment of confusion as the linesmen had their flag raised for offside, but the referee appeared to overrule their decision. Ford then went on to double our advantage less than two minutes later, converting from close range after a drilled delivery across the face of goal was mishit by Maidema. The Australia international is now the fourth top scorer in the WSL this season, with nine goals to her name. Heading into this fixture, Maidema had failed to score from any of her previous 21 shots against Birmingham City, but on this occasion, her fourth attempt proved successful. Maidema received the ball with her back to goal and twisted away from her marker before cutting onto her right foot and rifling a powerful effort in off the post. Substitute Lisa Evans then went on to make it four deep into stoppage time, finding the top left corner from Maidema's inviting through ball. Viv back on top. Vivian Maidema's goal against Birmingham City moved her clear at the top of the WSL all-time leading goalscorers with 56 goals. Viv moved one clear of Manchester City's former gunner, Ellen White. Nikita Paris, now at Lyon, is third on the list with 49 goals during her time with Everton and Manchester City. The three photos with this report in the print version have the captions Danielle van der Donk holds off Molly Green. Caitlin Ford opens the scoring. The WSL's top scorer, Vivian Maidema, celebrates. Burnley Report, Premier League, Match Day 27, 12.30pm, Saturday, March 6th, Turf Moor. Burnley 1, Wood 39, Arsenal 1, Aubameyang 6. Match stats, total shots, Burnley 9, Arsenal 15. Shots on target, Burnley 5, Arsenal 3. Corners, Burnley 2, Arsenal 3. Offsides, Burnley 2, Arsenal 2. Fouls, Burnley 5, Arsenal 12. Possession, Burnley 41%, Arsenal 59%. Burnley 1, Pope 2, Loughton 5, Tarkowski, 6, me, 3, Taylor, substitute, 63rd minute, 7, Gunmundsen, substitute, 68th minute, 18, Westwood, 8, Brownhill, 11, McNeil, 27, Vidra, substitute, 86th minute, 9, Wood, substitute, Peters, 63rd minute, yellow card, 
Brady, 68th minute. Rodriguez, 86th minute. Peacock Farrell, Stevens, Bardsley, Long, Dunn, Benson. Arsenal, 1. Aleno, 21. Chambers, 23. David Luiz, 22. Mari, 3. Tierney, 34. Zaka, 18. Partey, substitute, 80th minute. 7. Saka, yellow card. 11. Odegaard, substitute, 63rd minute. 14. Overmiang. 12. Willian, substitute, 69th minute. Substitutes, Lacazette, 63. Pepe, 69. Cabalos, 80. Bellerin, Gabriel, Holding, Elneny, Martinelli, Ryan. First half. We came out of the blocks quickly and took a deserved lead early on. Thomas Partey started the move, fed William, who surged forward and picked out Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang to beat Nick Pope at his near post. Our captain shot wide shortly afterwards, while a big chance also fell to Bukayo Saka following a 1-2 with Aubameyang. Partey was next to go close, shooting just over after excellent approach play from Saka and Martin Odegaard. We were completely in charge, but Burnley equalised in bizarre fashion when Granite Zaka's attempted pass to David Luiz from inside our area hit Chris Wood and ricocheted into the net. Second half. The goal, completely out of the blue, galvanised Burnley and they had the better of the second half until a breathless finale. Nicolas Pepe, on as a substitute, screamed for a penalty after Eric Peters struck the ball with his arm. But neither the referee or VAR agreed. Pepe missed a great chance to put us ahead after good work from Kieran Tierney. And Pepe was involved again when his volley from Saka's cross was diverted onto the bar by Peters. There was still time for Burnley to go close, and Danny Sabalos curled a shot against the post in stoppage time, but we had to make do with a draw. The Visitors, Tottenham Hotspur, formed 1882 as Hotspur FC. Nickname, the Lily White Stadium, Tottenham Hotspur Stadium, 62,850. Honours, First Division Premier League winners, 1950-1960. Second Division Championship winners, 1919-1949. FA Cup winners, 1901, 21, 61, 62, 67, 81, 82, 91. League Cup winners, 71, 73, 99, 2008. Charity Shield, 1921, 1951, 1961, 1962. In 1967, 81, 91, that prize was shed. UEFA Cup Winners' Cup, 63. UEFA Cup, 72 and 84. Chairman, Daniel Levy. Social Media. Twitter, 5.7 million. Instagram, 9.9 million. Facebook, 21.2 million. Premier League record. Arsenal Football Club wins 20. 23 draws. Tottenham Hotspur wins 14. Arsenal win percentage, 35. All-time record. Arsenal Football Club wins 77. 
Draws, 51. Tottenham Hotspur wins, 60. Arsenal win percentage, 41. There have been 13 red cards in this fixture in the Premier League, 7 for Arsenal and 6 for Spurs. The last time one side won both London North derbies, the same Premier League season was 2013-14 when the Gunners won both games, 1-0. 53. Only one of the past 53 North London derbies have finished goalless. My Arsenal Name Richard Stubbs Age 69 Live in Greenwich Occupation Teacher Retired Type of Membership Gold Why are you a fan? My stepfather was Reg Lewis an Arsenal legend He came into my life when I was 5 years old therefore I was brought up the Arsenal way have missed more games through lockdown than in the previous 55 plus years First game Reg took me on February 15th, 1964 versus Liverpool in the FA Cup and we sat in the East Stand. We lost 1-0. Joe Baker and Ron Yates were sent off. Bad foul by Yates, Baker knocked him out. Joe walked off and Yates carried off. Favourite game, beating Anderlecht 3-0 in the second leg of the 1969-70 European Cup Winners' Cup Cup Final. I had my first ever trip abroad, going to the 3-1 first leg defeat in Brussels. The noise, the emotions, and finally I had seen a Guna Cup win. Match day routine. Drive to Islington through the Blackwall Tunnel. A lengthy walk then to the armoury. I used to see the fluffy man. He collected for a children's hospice and dressed like a clown. I then visit Ephes, the Salvation Army collector, on the Kenfriar Bridge for a chat. Then go to my entrance, just below where Reg is portrayed. Vieira has his arm around Reg, a wonderful image. I say hello to Reg on the way in, and when leaving for home. My look to him, and his to me, depends on the result. Best place in the stadium. My seat, block 17, lower tier, row 25. I sit with roughly the same group of people that I've stood and sat with, since I made the big step of moving from the schoolboys' enclosure in 1967. Favourite away ground? Anywhere we win. Obviously, the important victories at Tottenham were rather special. In 71, I waited outside with what must have been 250,000 fans, and when they opened the doors, I raced through the police and their barriers in time to see the Ray Kennedy goal. We all went mad and took over the ground. Great. Favourite memorabilia. Because of my family history, I have League Championship winners and FA Cup winners medals, England B crests, signed cup final banquet menus and many press pictures. A special one is the photo taken with Cup and League in 1998 and also wife Sarah and son Lewis. Three when the photo was taken. 25 now and a total gooner. With Reg's medals and a photograph of him in the background. He died in 1997. Best goal seen live. Alan Sunderland in 79. Michael Thomas at Anfield in 89. But I don't really do best. I cannot let go of so many. Ever met any players? I met Ian Wright in Covent Garden. I spoke to him about Reg. He seemed to know his history well. And he said, 
If I can be half the player that Reg was, then I'll be very happy. You can only love Ian Wright. Which current player would you most like to go for dinner with? Kieran Tierney. We could go to Tesco's. What a player. You can be present at any match in history. The 1950 FA Cup final, Arsenal 2, Liverpool 0. Reg Lewis scored both goals. Teams For Arsenal, manager Mikel Arteta. Red shirts with white sleeves, white shorts and socks. 1. Bernd Leno, goalkeeper. 2. Hector Bellerin. 3. Kieran Tierney. 6. Gabriel. 7. Bokeo Saka. 8. Dani Ceballos. 9. Alexandre Lacazette. 11. Martin Odegaard. 12. Willian. 13. Alex Runason, goalkeeper. 14. Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang. 16. Rob Holding. 17. Cedric Suarez. 18. Thomas Partey. 19. Nicolas Pepe. 21. Callum Chambers. 22. Pablo Mori. 23. David Lewis. 24. Rhys Nelson. 25. Mohamed Elneny. 30. Eddie Nketiah. 32. Emil Smith-Rowe. 33. Matt Ryan, goalkeeper. 34. Granit Xhaka. 35. Gabriel Martinelli. 38. Follerin Balogun. 41. Ben Cottrell. 66. Miguel Aziz. For Tottenham Hotspur, manager Jose Mourinho. White shirts, navy blue shorts and socks. 1. Hugo Lloris, goalkeeper. 2. Matt Doherty. 3. Sergio Regulon. 4. Toby Alderweireld. 5. Pierre-Emile Hoiberg. 6. Davinson Sanchez. 7. Hyung Min Song. 8. Harry Winks. 9. Gareth Bale. 10. Harry Kane. 11. Eric Lamella. 12. Joe Hart, goalkeeper. 14. Joe Roden. 15. Eric Dyer. 17. Musa Sissoko. 18. Giovanello Chalsko. 20. Deli Ali. 23. Stephen Bergwin. 24. Sergi Oria. 25. Jaffet Tanganga. 27. Lucas Mura. 28. Tangai Ndombele. 33. Ben Davis. 41. Alfie Whiteman, goalkeeper. 45. Carlos Vinicius. Match officials. Referee Michael Oliver. Assistant referees Stuart Burt. Simon Bennett. Fourth official Kevin Friend. VAR Paul Tierney. Assistant VAR Lee Betts. Today's other fixtures. Southampton versus Brighton and Hove Albion at 12pm. Leicester City versus Sheffield United at 2pm. Manchester United versus West Ham United. 7.15pm The Arsenal Foundation helping young people fulfil their potential through education and sport
I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Premier League. Arsenal. In our game, there's always room for passion. There's room for rivalry. There's room for emotion. But there is no room for racism. If you see it, report it. No room for racism. Kick it out. Tackling racism and discrimination. Download the Kick It Out app or tell a police officer or steward in the stadium. Acronis Backup. Cyber protection for your data. Keep your data safe with the most secure backup. www.acronis.com Future. Forever faster. Humor. Reconnect in comfort and safety. Fly better. Our A380 is back in the skies, so let's get back to the things we've missed. Fly to your next destination with confidence, knowing that your health and safety is our top priority at every step. And we'll even give you free COVID-19 cover while you're away. Emirates. Arsenal official partner. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.